Murphy, CNN's Van Jones on criminal justice reform, Ami Horowitz on mass college anti-Semitism, and country great Daryl Worley performs. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbert. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Thank you very much, and welcome to our show. Now, a week ago, the White House Correspondents Association held their annual dinner in Washington. But the president didn't attend, nor did my daughter, the White House press secretary. Not after she was ambushed last year by a bitter, angry, and vicious headliner who was actually billed as a comedian. In fact, she passed up the opportunity to get skewered by a so-called comedian standing five feet from her. And instead, she went with the president to Wisconsin where instead of being insulted about her appearance and her character, she was treated to rock star status by an overflow crowd that numbered well above 10,000. Back in Washington, the media types sat solemnly to whine about how unfair they have been treated and how the First Amendment was at risk. Well, I want to give a heartfelt message to them. You media folks hate it when the president calls you fake news or even calls out some of you as enemies of the people. But you all but break your arms patting yourselves on the back for your commitment to truth, journalism, and the First Amendment. Now, not all of the media are enemies of the people, and the president has never said all of you were. But to be blunt, some of you are. Because when you allow your personal biases and animosity toward the president to shape your coverage of his events, his policies, his remarks, and his personal life, in a vastly different way than the manner in which you report on other public figures, then you're no longer champions of the truth or of the First Amendment. You're just partisan hacks out to unfairly smear a president that you don't like and that you never thought would get elected anyway. You know what? We desperately need a strong press and a strict adherence to finding the truth wherever it may lead. Our great republic can't survive if the press puts its thumb on the scale for a particular candidate or a political party. The noble responsibility of the press is to fairly and accurately report facts, then let the public determine how it's going to respond to those facts. When I watch or listen to or read someone's reporting, and I know exactly the point of view of the journalist, it's not journalism anymore. It's just the same kind of advocacy I would expect from the Republican or the Democratic parties. So when you guys in the media whine about how bad you've been treated, forgive millions of us for laughing out loud because you've put your hurt feelings out front and cried like six-year-olds because someone, and it's usually the president, called you out. Oh, we do, by the way, know the difference between news and commentary, and we respect that commentary can and even should be highly opinionated. But even then, it ought to be fair and based on accurate facts. We just don't see much of that. Over 90% of the coverage about President Trump is negative. I'll be the first to admit, he's far from perfect. And sometimes he can be his own worst enemy with some off-color or off-the-cuff comments or even his obvious exaggeration and hyperbole. I get that. But misreporting and the overuse of anonymous high-level sources who don't have the guts to speak on the record, even if they exist, using them destroys your credibility. And frankly, it shreds the Constitution protection of a free press. Because it isn't free if it isn't fair. And you might be blind to your own biases, but millions of us aren't. So if you want to get respect, you got to show some. And the level of disrespect you show toward the president, his staff, and his voters only result in being held in contempt by those of us who see the world differently than you. I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of glad the president and the press secretary skipped your little party of self-congratulations, whining, and elitist pomposity. I mean, they were in a crowd of what you call deplorables. 
and they were being shown some appreciation of standing up for all those deplorables. And frankly, they were being shown appreciation for standing up against you. You can't fix this by becoming journalist again. Oh, I guess you could. But you have to do that instead of being ballpoint pen pimps, computer contract killers, and camera-ready cardboard cutouts with all too predictable, breathless anxiety about those with whom you disagree. You know what? We want to respect you. We actually need you. But if you refuse to act like professionals and you insult us with your pious put-downs, don't expect us to do anything other than hold you in contempt for their perpetual put-downs. Here's my message to you in the press. You broke this, and only you can fix it. Now, my next guest is a former official in the Obama administration. He currently serves as a CNN analyst and host. Now, we are about as different in politics as two people can be. But I consider him a friend and a Christian brother. He thinks my political views are crazy. I know his are. <laughs> Seriously, we have some very stark differences. And yet we don't disagree on everything. And I'm genuinely delighted to have him here on our show. His latest project is a new series entitled The Redemption Project. Here's a little preview. The first call that we got of shots fired. The offender was high on heroin. I got some drugs I used. The deputy yelled, got a gun. I just wanted to kill him because he was trying to arrest me. I knew something had happened. But the driver doesn't look so good. As I crest the hill, I uh, hit Nathan from behind. Do you even know what you did? Took his gun from him. I remember shouting. Put it to his head. Don't do it. And I pulled the trigger. What is it that you want to know? I want him to understand he took somebody great and no amount of jail time will fix that. There is no closure, never. How do you prepare yourself for staring across the table to somebody that has taken the life of their child? What if he is still a violent person? I don't know where we're gonna land, but we're all in, man. Please welcome the host of The Redemption Project, Van Jones. Van, great to have you with me. I'm going to get right into the background of this because it was uh, a criminal justice reform effort that you were a very integral part of called First Step. Talk about why that was so important to you. Well, um, I just think that uh, everybody uh, needs a second chance in life. We've all done stuff that we regret. We've all done stuff that we, 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 that we wish we could do over. Uh, maybe not to the extent of going to jail, but I think that's a part of the human condition. And unfortunately, in our country, we've had we have now uh, the biggest prison population in the world. Um, uh, Two million people locked up, uh, uh, four million people caught up on probation and parole. And it turns out that it, it, you know too much of anything can have a negative uh, consequence. And so both political parties, I think, are starting to realize if we believe in liberty and justice for all. Uh, we might need to reevaluate how our prison system is working to maximize human freedom and dignity while keeping everybody safe, and there's some smart ways to do it. Well, I, I was uh, very involved in some of the uh, early s discussions of this, and what I was most impressed with, Van, was that this brought together uh, people for uh, all over the political spectrum, people from the left side of the Democratic Party and the far right side of the Republican Party. Absolutely, and especially, I think, because you know, the Republican Party at its best is really concerned about liberty and uh, making sure we have limited government, making sure that we respect individual rights and freedoms. And if you have too much incarceration, that gets eroded. Democrats tend to be more focused on social justice, making sure that the little people don't get run over by the big people. Well, that's why we have liberty and justice for all. That's, that's Those are the two core elements. And when you bring those two forces together, it was the strong conservatives and the strong liberals who came together. It wasn't the mushy middle. You know, I don't think anybody uh, views you, Van, as a, a mushy middle kind of guy. And, and I want to speak to that because I thought it was incredibly significant yeah. that when there was so much blowback against you personally for having been involved and even uh, going to the White House to meet with the president, but you separated right. the person from the issue you cared about. And you never mm -hmm. backed off of that, even when you were being relentlessly criticized. So speak to just how frustrating it had to have been at times uh, mm -hmm. that your attacks were coming 
from your own ideological brothers more than it was coming from the guys like me on the right. Well, listen, that's the, that's the test, isn't it, though? Um, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And yeah. uh, for the people, I, I, I told my liberal friends, and it wasn't just my uh, ideological brothers, it was my friends, personal friends. Mm. Uh, but what I said is, uh, I've been in many prisons, as, as you know, um, as a lawyer, as an advocate, trying to help people, um, trying to change laws. I've never met anybody in prison who told me, you know, Van, I'm in this prison, uh, I'm being brutalized, I miss my family, I want to come home, please help me. But whatever you do, don't talk to any Republican. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah. I've never heard that from a single person in prison. Mm. The people that, who have children who are locked up, who have parents who are locked up, they don't care who's in the White House. They want their loved one to come home to their house uh, when it's appropriate. And we have to put the people first. And I thought it was a, very, it was a test. Um, you know, if I disagree with Donald Trump on 99 things, and I'm going to be passionate about that, well, what if I agree with him on one? Will I be just as passionate on the one thing I agree with him on as I was to be as I was passionate on the other 99? Now, if I'm not as willing to be just as passionate where I agree with him as when I disagree with him, well, then shame on me. Now I'm a hack. And so I just refuse to back down on it. And the, the harder they, they punched at me, the more I realized there's something wrong in this country when somebody's worked on prisons for 25 years and, and, uh, and I'm on the left side of Pluto on every issue. And when, but I can't go to the White House to support the president who wants to sign a bill that uh, if you just put on a piece of paper, every liberal would, would be championing. So we're going to now say mm. uh, that uh, until you know, for four to eight years, we're going to abandon the people behind bars? That's not right. I want to talk about the project that came out of this whole experience for you. It's this project in a series of incredible specials on CNN called The Redemption Project. Describe to us, first of all, what is it you did? Because I think it's absolutely stunning that you pull this off, and I'm anxious for people to watch it. Even if I'm having to tell them to go watch it on CNN, I'm still going to tell them to do it because it's such a good <laughs> yeah. project. But, but explain yeah. to us what the Redemption Project is and, and what they will see. I have felt, and we've talked about this before, I have felt that the culture has gone 180 degrees the wrong direction when it comes to grace, when it comes to compassion, empathy, listening, forgiveness, all the things that were taught uh, in church, in our houses of worship, taught by our grandparents. It's left the culture now. It's all what's fashionable and what's trendy today is call out culture. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to block you. And where is the grace? And I think that's just poisonous. And I want to put some medicine into the culture. So I went the complete opposite direction. And I found people who've done really bad things and have gone to prison. I don't mean they've put up a bad tweet. I mean they've done bad things and they've gone to prison for them. And they want to make amends. And they want to atone. And they want to be forgiven. And then we went and found the people that, that they hurt or the people, frankly, that are surviving family members. And we got both sides' story. And then we just filmed them talking to each other face to face for the first time while that person tried to atone. And I'm going to tell you, if you have, if you if you can get through an episode without at least dabbing your eyes, go see the heart doctor. I mean, I'm just trying, uh, you know, Governor, to put forward some positive examples of people with much greater barriers to having a human conversation than those of us in politics, and hoping that that will bring some grace back into the culture. You know, Van, for people who know you and who know me, they probably realize we'd be hard-pressed to find political issues we agree on, but they'd also probably yeah. be shocked to learn that for several years we've been friends and consider Absolutely. each other Christian brothers uh, who love Absolutely. God and because of that do love each other. Thank you for being yeah. with me. What a pleasure to have you and talk well, about this extraordinary project. Well, thank you, and I want to thank you. You, know, you prayed with my family when I left the Obama White House and uh, under fire, and I was suffering so much. You prayed for my family. You were there for me. You didn't agree with my politics, but you said that I was a worthy person to, uh, for grace, and, and, and our relationship really started at one of my lowest points. And mm. uh, people don't know uh, how many people like me you've helped, but I know, and I brag on you all the time. Well, 
I appreciate you and love you as a friend and brother. Thank you for being with me. And I want to tell everybody, be sure to see the Redemption Project series on CNN. It airs Sunday nights, 9 o'clock Eastern. That's 9 o'clock Eastern on CNN. Find out more about what Van and I are probably debating politically by visiting vanjones.net. And you can keep up with him on social media at vanjones68. All right, Keith, tell us how you're going to beat having Van Jones on the show tonight. Well, I'll start with comedian Shonda Pierce, add in Ami Horowitz and his truth-telling videos, plus a splash of ventriloquist Taylor Mason, and to top it all off, Daryl Worley performing. Stay tuned for more Huckabee. Comedian Shonda Pierce is such a wonderful friend to our team here at the show. We love having her on to share her wit. But tonight, she's here to talk about a new movie that she's completed called Unashamed. Here's a quick little look. Following on a date of Fed Metafelli, I had my spanks on and my lipstick. I was all in. Had his picture on my phone so I could recognize him when I saw him. Lord, that picture is like 25 years old gray hair coming out of his nose. It hurt my feelings. I went in the bathroom, took my spanks off. You gonna lie to me? You gonna feed me? I can tell you that. I'm getting me two desserts tonight. You'll straighten that picture out tomorrow. Well, please welcome back to the show the amazingly talented and unbelievably funny Shonda Pierce. Oh, the bathroom selfie. That's what's so true. You've got to be the only person I know what? in Christian comedy who could pull off a joke about sitting oh, on the, the pot toilet. taking a selfie. I know, but that's what the men do on these online dating profiles. They sit on the... This is... You, they take you're a you're kidding the, me. Have you never stood in a mirror and take a picture of yourself? Actually, I can say I have not. Well, you you have a sweet wife who'll tell you the truth. What does this, should I wear this tie or this tie? It is, it is such a weird time in my life. And when you're trying to be as a comedian and then you want to talk about a serious issue like uh, in the movie, how do you bridge that gap? And so I think Unashamed has become like the schizophrenic movie where we go from laughing, 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 then to some serious interview and then we go laughing, laugh, laugh. But all along the way, but isn't that life? But, you know, the ups and downs, the good and the bad. It is life. That's but then you have this uncanny ability to take the funniest, most hilarious moments and like that, turn the audience and become serious. You know, my friend Bill Gaither used to always say, Sean, do you have the great ability to turn the corner? You just yeah. turn the corner. This is my third documentary mm. about me and I'm still alive. I don't know what huh. they're going to film when I'm dead. Because usually How much is there of you there we still have to learn? Exactly. Well, some that's nobody's business. So I guess that's <laughs> for when I'm dead. What I love is I got to interview different people about moments in their life as believers yeah. and they got a little pushback because of their biblical principle or because of an answer they gave about their stance and their faith. And I got to interview you. Uh -oh. I don't know this, but I did. I interviewed the That's governor. worth the price of the movie ticket. Yes, it is. Right there. Because he was sitting in this chair and I got to be the hot shot behind That was him. a weird feeling, by the good. way. Good, I'm glad. To be on the other side of the interview. I'm good. Well, you needed to feel humbled every now and then. Let's talk about how people can see Unashamed, because it's in movie theaters. It's not yes. like they turn on their That's television. Right. they got to go theaters. to the movie theaters. Yes, May the 7th and the 9th. Yep. I don't know why there's... I don't know why the... I don't know what happens on the 8th, but on the 7th and the 9th, it's a one-time-only Fathom event. And what I strategically went after in interviewing some of these people, I strategically went after people that have had a little pushback because of their faith. Yeah. 
but are extremely successful even afterwards. Mm. So people can see, look, young people, you can stand up for the cause of Christ. You can be a, a, a you know, a born again Christian and God is going to favor you. And Boy, that is a well. message kids need because they get so much blowback at school. Oh they... yeah. My little school, I'll go, I went to a little small town school in, in Asheville City, Tennessee. The, a teacher got sued by the ACLU for having a Bible on her desk. Just having it on her desk. Having it on her desk. And, and we lost. Best selling book of all time and you can't have the best selling book of all time on a desk in a school right. because why? Somebody life. might look at the book and, and, and their you eyes know, burn. Or, right. you know, that it, is just absurd. It's crazy. It is That's crazy. why your movie is so important for people to see and it gives people a sense of it's okay. Yes. To and you're going to be okay. You you're going to be okay. Stand up unashamed. You'll be just fine. All right. Be sure to get out and see Shauna's movie Unashamed. It is funny. It is moving and it is uplifting. And it is in theaters as a Fathom event May 7th and 9th. Learn more at Shondamovie.com. That is Shondamovie.com. Keith is not ashamed of what we have after the break, so he's going to tell you about it. Next, Ami Horowitz reveals truth through media and the funniest news this week. And ventriloquist Taylor Mason. Then country music's Daryl Worley performs on Huckabee. Franklin Graham just showed you the incredible response that Samaritan's Purse is giving to Venezuelans who have fled their country because of the madness that they face inside their homeland. From the youngest child to the oldest man or woman, you can make an incredible difference in relieving their fright, comforting their hearts, and binding their wounds, all in the name of Christ. I want to urge you to make a call or visit Samaritan's Purse website today. I hope you will give as generous a gift as you can because it will make a huge difference in the lives of those folks in Venezuela. It'll change lives today and for all eternity. God bless you for helping. Well, you may know my next guest from his Man on the Street videos that show just how far left college students have drifted. Recently, he visited the government-funded joint UNC-Duke conference and discovered some shocking attitudes toward Jewish people. Take a look. This is a professor who I asked about her views on the spate of attacks in New York by black teens on Jews and synagogues. Blacks have a lot of also reason to be angry at Jews now. The Jewish lobby is influencing our government and how that's changing U.S. policy. That's, that's why I'm They're influencing our politics. I'm Jewish. I don't know. Is yeah, it? I, I could already tell. You didn't have to tell me. <laughs> I don't take offense to that yeah. at all. No, no. Let's try it together because I need your help. I cannot be at this cement alone. <laughs> oh! I'm in love with the Jew. Just days after the conference, swastikas were found on campus. 38 of the largest departments and schools at the University of North Carolina sponsored this event. It also got a federal grant of nearly a quarter of a million dollars. They should all be ashamed. Yeah, they should be. Would you please welcome the star of the YouTube and Fox News segment, Ami on the Street, my friend, Ami Horowitz. Ami, thanks for coming. It's a pleasure. Of course. I I'm not sure what shocks me the most the incredible, blatant anti-Semitism that was expressed by people on a college campus or the fact that my taxpayer dimes help fund that nonsense. I can't decide what's the most offensive. Take your pick. I mean, right? They're equally offensive. Now, you go on these campuses all the time, so was this shocking to you at all? Uh, I'm actually always surprised the downside. Like, the, 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 the depths that people will sink these days, on the left in particular, uh, never ceases to shock me, and it's, it's, it's horrific. When it, come, when it comes to anti-Semitism, which we've seen a resurgence, right? We, we yeah. all know that. The, the big lie is that anti-Semitism has been re resurgent over the last two years. Just not true. This has been a trend that's going on for over 10 years, actually. And the difference is, when I was a kid, you expected kind of the far right to be anti-Semitic, but yeah. not the left. What we've seen now is that that far right is still there, but now we're seeing the anti-Semitism on the left. And what we're seeing, it used to be a, this veneer of, I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm anti-Israel they now feel emboldened to say, I don't like Jews, like we saw in that video. But let's talk about why would it matter to me, a Christian, that there is blatant anti-Semitism and hatred toward Jews? How does that affect me? 
Look, you know, it's that, it's that old saying during the Holocaust, but, you know, I, 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 they came for the unions and I, I wasn't part of the union. They came for the bund and I wasn't bund. And when they came for me, there was nobody else to stop yeah. it. Look, this is, this is, this is not just anti-Semitism. You said before, it's anti-religion in general. Yeah. It's, it's shocking to see anti-Semitism, but to see it not only in our college campuses, but in the halls of Congress, we're yeah. seeing open, blatant anti-Semitism. Ilan Omar, Rashida Tlaib are nothing but open anti-Semites. But here's the thing she said. One, in reference to 9-11, she said, yeah, some people did some things. That was her description of 9-11, when people were murdered, innocents, not military combatants, but people, housewives and moms and dads and grandparents going to work at their desk jobs in the World Trade Center, and they were murdered savagely in cold blood. That's not just some people doing some things. It's repulsive, it's reprehensible. But the worst part is, again, she was not roundly condemned by her own party. They gave her cover. She said another thing, and that is that uh, Jews have too much influence, too much power, and that it's all about the Benjamins. In other words, it's about money, and the Jews are controlling political money. It is one of the most damaging anti-Semitic tropes that exist, that Jews control governments. It's, it's obviously yeah. patently false, otherwise Jews would be living high in the hog wherever they were, yeah. instead of being, being run out every hundred years or so. I mean, what's, what's a big surprise you get when you go out on the street? Because you do these interviews and, and they don't know necessarily who you are. You just go up and start asking questions. What surprises you most? Look, I'll tell you one video which blew my mind. So I went to the University of California, Berkeley, yeah. a very well-respected institution, one of our best schools in the country. I couldn't get in. I applied. Yeah. I got rejected. And I wanted to see the, the, the feelings of the U.S. flag. So I was, the first day I went there, I was waving the ISIS flag. I want to see what their reaction The ISIS flag. You know, the, you know familiar with ISIS yeah. flag? The black oh, yeah. Flag. I was waving the flag. Come kill Americans. I'm ISIS. I want to destroy America. Didn't get a single comment. I actually got some support. The next day, I flew the American flag. Within seconds, you go to hell. your flag is disgusting. Your the, the, the invective was coming down on me from the second I unfurled that flag. This is the type of things that we're dealing with on a daily basis on, on our on our college campuses. Well, my thanks to Ami Horowitz for daring to look behind the curtain and show us the truth. Please watch Ami on the street. You can see it on Fox News, and you can also see his latest videos by his film called You In Me on DVD, and you can find links to all of his social media pages. He's got a lot of stuff online that you need to see. Go to AmiHorowitz.com. It's on your screen, AmiHorowitz.com. By the way, we dragged someone off the streets to tell us what's next, but I gotta tell you, he looks and sounds a whole like Keith Bilbrey. Go figure. Let's see if it is. Well, it could be. Next, the funniest news this week, and ventriloquist Taylor Mason. Then real-life stories from President Trump's photographer, Gene Ho. And country music star Daryl Orley sings on Huckabee. Well, from possums playing possum to parrots robbing humans, we've got the news that'll make you reconsider your own wildlife on a segment we call In Case You Missed It. Well, you know, they say it's always great to know you're gonna be working from home. That is, unless you happen to be a firefighter. Now, since my own dad was a career fireman, I couldn't water down this story. Okay, down in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, where unemployment is low, I mean, the competition to recruit firefighters is tough these days. Scott County Rural Fire Protection District's chief, Jeremy Parian, says most advertisements are kind of boring and they've got a burning need for new firefighter candidates. So, Scott County has gone humorous with signs outside its stations that offer hard labor, Odd hours, low pay, but cool helmets. Okay, so what do you do with a giant 12-foot-tall, 28-foot-long potato sculpture originally built to promote Idaho's potato farmers after you've toured it across America? Well, if you said turn it into the Big Idaho Potato Hotel, you nailed it. It is a single-room accommodation awaiting you in Idaho. 
I guess you could promote it with a slogan, this spuds for you. Huh? <laughs> now, if these accommodations sound appealing to you, <laughs> hey, the hotel is listed on Airbnb, but you do have to chip in for $200 a night. Reservations begin in late May. And for you doubters, just remember the old saying, haters gonna hate, but taters gonna tate. There you go. <laughs> in our next story, one mother was getting tired of her daughters and their wild imaginations when after three days of their stories, she discovered a possum had taken up residence in the girl's closet. Now, some of you are saying, that's impossum-able. But Caitlin Birch posted a photo of the animal lurking among the toys in the closet. Her Twitter post confessed, this possum was living in my children's bedroom for three days before we believed them. <laughs> she and her husband had checked out the room and they found nothing before, so they decided the girls were playing make-believe. In reality, the possum was playing possum the first time. Caitlin Birch's husband captured the possum and released it into the woods. And that's sad. I mean, they were watching a perfectly good down-home stew walk right off into the woods. All right. An Amazon parrot in northern Brazil proved that parrots are one of the smartest creatures on Earth, but apparently they're just not real good at obeying the law. You see, Brazilian police said some criminals had trained a parrot to be their lookout during robberies. And whenever the criminal parrot spotted a cop, he'd start yelling, Mommy, the police! And of course, he said it in Portuguese, being Brazil. Now, can anyone say, Polly won a stolen diamond? So it's reported that the police caught the parrot when he slipped on two nickels and slid from his lookout perch. It was truly a parrot dime shift. <laughs> We're gonna scratch that one right out of here. I'm... The convicted parrot is now behind bars doing some hard time at a local zoo. After failing, wait for it, a polygraph test, yet he still refuses to turn into a stool pigeon, and he does not want to give up any fellow gang members, not even for a cracker. I'll bet they'll be wanting to make a movie of this crazy story out there in Hollywood. I don't write this stuff, I just read it. Brazilian zookeepers say that with good behavior, the bad bird's gonna be released and living his life in paradise. Oh, they did mention that the little guy picked up an illness, chirpies. <laughs> chirpies, while he was behind bars. But don't worry, the vet said it's totally tweetable. Okay, like Adam Schiff on the day the Mueller report came out, we have run out of time. But always remember that while there's no collusion, we still read the news. Well, my next guest has entertained crowds all over the world, from opening for Bill Gaither to winning the $100,000 grand prize on Star Search. He also tells the inside story of his life in showbiz in his new book called Irreversible. Please welcome the hilarious Taylor Mason. Wow. Thank you. Wow. This is great. I love this. The positive energy is just awesome because the whole country is stressed out. I do children's programs and sometimes small children will come up to me after a show and they'll say, those puppets were really scary. And I say, no, those are my imaginary friends come to life. It's what your parents call Facebook, okay? <laughs> right. Your mom and dad have thousands of imaginary friends, but mine are real. I brought an example, and people get scared about the puppets, so I brought this. Ah, sorry. This is my buddy, his name is Romeo, and I don't want to freak anybody out, so I'm going to explain. This middle part here, ah, sorry. This middle part is actually a Clorox bottle with the handle cut out, a 64-ounce Clorox bottle. The handle's been cut out, so my arm fits in the back. Ah, sorry. The hair on his head, stop, okay. The hair is from a wig shop in New York City. Look at my foot, okay. 
the eyebrows that go up and down. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a coat hanger. You know it. The white part of his eyes. Look into my eyes. Okay. The white part of his eyes. That's a ping pong ball. The clothing that he's wearing is from a store called The Gap. That's right. My kids are writing a book called The Puppet Wears Gap. We wear Target. All right. How are you? I'm feeling good. Wonderful time is great. What a studio. Yeah, it's beautiful. These are working people. I work. Name one job you've had. I can tell you what I'd like to do. Anything at all, Romeo. What would you like to do? I'd like to be a golf announcer. A golf announcer? Yeah. Why? They don't work. <laughs> all they do is whisper. Do you know why they whisper? They don't want to wake the people who are watching at home. Come on, man. Come on. No, oh, stop it. Where was your last puppet job? I was a CPR dummy. A CPR? Oh, come, you're one of those people they practice CPR on. Right. Well, that must have been wild. It was weird, man. You're laying there, right? People are breathing into my mouth. Okay. It was disgusting. Okay. One guy got really carried away. What do you mean he got carried away? He was hugging me, rubbing my shoulders, kissing me on the cheek. Who is this? Joe Biden. Yeah, he blew into my ear. What? He blew into my ear. He blew into your ear. Yeah. You mean like this? Yeah. That's kind of creepy. No, in my world, for people like me, yeah, it's a refill. <laughs> okay, okay. The only thing in here besides your hand is a lot of air. Okay. I could be a politician. All right, all right, all right, all right. Have you ever had a real job? Let me think. A serious job. Have you ever had a real job? Yeah. I was a crash test dummy. A crash test dummy. And I failed the crash test. How do you fail a crash test? They ship you in the car, right? They say, look natural as you drive them to the brick wall at 110 miles an hour. I kept doing this. Okay, okay. We're gonna crash, okay. I couldn't get insurance. It was just like living in Tennessee. Oh, stop it, stop it. Back in the bed. No. This, uh, sorry. You're so mean. Okay, tell that girl to come in here. No. I travel all over the world. This fits in the overhead bin, believe it or not, on airplanes, which can be a real problem going through customs coming back in the United States. Get off a plane, this bag goes into the x-ray machine and stops. Customs comes out, whose bag is this? It's mine. So we need to look in the bag. I say, no problem. When the guy opens the bag, I do this. Hey, how you doing? Hey, thanks a lot, everybody. This is awfully fun. Thank you. Taylor, welcome to our show. It is a delight to have you here. My honor. This is great. This is just, this is just awesome. Wonderful people. I, I can't even imagine going through TSA several times a week. And in your book, you have a different name for TSA. What is it? In my world, TSA stands for Taylor Searched Aggressively. <laughs> yeah, because you bring this, uh, you know, looks like a human person right. in a bag. And I'm sure they're thinking, oh, yeah, 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 we're, we're singling him out. Right. It's happened many times. And we, we've done all kinds of things. Right, right. Um, actually... Yeah, he, I bring him out sometimes. It's fun to entertain customs guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. You know, you have this cool book. <laughs> you didn't shave this morning, did you? And I didn't think so. He's turning into Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know who to be upset with, you or the dummy. I'm I not know. sure. <laughs> uh, I wanted to mention... This very cool book. And, you know, I read the whole thing. I can't believe it. I have not even read the whole thing. And I wrote it. I know, and that really depresses me that you haven't read your book. You ought to read it. It's really good. Uh, and I think I was expecting you to just to sort of tell some funny tales on the road. But what you've done in this is you have told us how tough a life it is to live the life of a professional comedian over five decades, which is a long time in this business. And th the fact that you have remained not only optimistic and... You continue to love what you do, 
But it's been a tough, tough climb. And I, I think you've captured it so beautifully. Well, you're awfully nice to say something, Governor. Thank you very much. The great thing about the, what I do is, uh, I would do a lot of work for the Disney Corporation. Yeah. I always say I work for Disney. I'm a comedian. I have puppets. I don't curse. There's only one company that would hire that. Yeah. So I work for the Disney Corporation. And my background has kind of allowed me to work for adults, children, teenagers, television, whatever, church basements. You know, I'll go. I, listen, I'm looking for work. So, <laughs> But you know what I find is remarkable? People do want you to come to corporate events and to church uh, events and, and, and the Disney cruise ships and all the things that you do. Do you get pushback from people to say, hey, you got to be a little edgier? You know, I have had people tell me, or they'll ask me after the show, I'll bet you do a really good adult show. And I always say, yeah. Why don't you come see my adult show? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as exactly, every other show. Exactly, exactly. Which, again, I thank you for that, because it means that if people invite you, and they have children present, or they do have a, a sensitive group of people, you're going to be funny. You're going to entertain the daylights out of them, but you're not going to humiliate, embarrass them, or insult them. And I think that that is so very Oh, I take refreshing. that seriously, and that's a really nice compliment, man. Well, you, you are a compliment to the world of comedy. We are so happy to have you here. And I want to tell you, I hope people will read the book. It's Me called too. Irreversible. I did tell Taylor this, that you've got to wait till the next to the last page to find out why he names the book Irreversible. I kept thinking, where does this come from? And I'm not going to tell you, and don't read it until you get to the end of the book. But you can find Taylor Mason's hilarious and inspiring memoir, Irreversible, on Amazon, and you can learn all about him and hire him to perform for your company or event at taylormason.com. That is taylormason.com. It's on your screen. Now, Keith is going to tell us what's coming up next, and if you look real close, you will see his mouth moving. <laughs> but you got to look close. Next, real-life stories from President Trump's photographer, Gene Ho, and country music star, Daryl Worley, sings on Huckabee. Well, my next guest is a photographic artist who's captured everyone from movie stars to the top athletes of the world. But his world changed when he became the official photographer for the Donald Trump presidential campaign. His behind-the-scenes account in words and pictures is called Trumpography, how biblical principles paved the way to the American presidency. It became both a bestseller and the most censored book on the Internet because it was too positive about Donald Trump. Would you please welcome Gene Ho. Gene, thank you for coming. Great having Great you here. Great to have you. Yeah. First of all, how did you end up meeting Donald Trump and becoming his photographer for the campaign? No, Governor, here's the thing. is like back then it wasn't really like a, a big thing. It's huge now. But like I just, they just called me up. I showed up. And it's like four years later, like I'm famous for it. <laughs> and the crazy thing, I was in Reno, Nevada. And this girl comes up to me and goes, Oh, I know you. You're, you're. And I said, Gene Ho. And she goes, No, you're the lead singer of the band Journey. <laughs> Did they call you because they'd seen your photography for all of these other no, celebrities? Uh, basically, I saw them in a convention, and there was, uh -huh. everyone was there. It was um, Ted Cruz was there, Ben Carson. So I was like, Oh, Donald Trump's there. And so I took pictures of him, didn't think anything of it, but I sent it back to his people. Uh -huh. I can't believe it, like, three weeks later, I get a, a letter saying from Donald Trump himself, Gene loved the photos, and I, I couldn't believe it. So then they invited me to the first campaign stop. This was like three months before he even started running. They invited me to shoot, and so I was there for the rest of the time till, till the very last day of the campaign, the whole, whole time. You know, the book that you've done is, is really not just a photography book. There's a lot of photos in it, but Correct. it's about, and, and this is the interesting subtitle, how biblical principles pave the way to the American presidency. Now, that's going to be a shocker when people say, what biblical principles? Right. No, I didn't set out to write this. When I had the picture, I had, thought it was going to be a picture book, and I was going to put some stories in it. And lo and behold, as I started reading the Bible, and I wasn't a big, huge Bible reader. I was like, whoa, maybe Donald Trump is using the playbook from the Bible. Things matched up to what I saw from him. Wow. What is it about Donald Trump that most people don't get? 
first of all, Donald Trump is perhaps one of the kindest persons. And the thing is, the difference with me is I saw him behind the scenes as a fly in the wall. I was the one standing behind watching him talk to other people. He's a charming man and he's a wonderful person and he's very nice. That's not what we get from the media. No, you think because of the fake news media. There, there's a particular story that, that you have <laughs> talked about. <laughs> My. And I find it very interesting. To this day, people say that he mocked a New York Times reporter and made fun of uh, a disabled person. You say that's not totally, what happened. Totally false. I was there. And everyone was there. Didn't take it the way the... the we're talking the, the sound bites from the news media. They take this small little section and then they play it in a loop over and over and it becomes the news. It wasn't like that. He was not doing that. But, it, but they still to this day say that he's a racist. We that have dealt with racism are hypersensitive to people uh, that are racist. You have people all over, Diamond and Silk that met him, who I, I do photography for. They love him. I love him. I can tell. When you uh, talk about the, this process of going through the campaign, were there any moments that got to you on an emotional level? There was one time that I almost got shot by Secret Service. Like, not everyone gets That's not a good shot. thing, well, yeah. Well, I'm a photographer, right? So <laughs> I saw his tie, uh -huh. and I went after his tie because I wanted it. It was crooked, so I was like this. And then Secret Service was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, stand down. I was like, no, no, stand down. Like, you know, the uh, long-haired Asian assassin is going to go after the president. I thought you were Jackie Chan, man. I, I, I was like that. And it was like, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then the best thing, Trump trolled me afterwards. Trump goes, at the end of the day, he goes, Gene, is my tie straight? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you get censored so much? Because your book, I mean, a, a lot of people would just say, okay, so he has a right to write a book. You were a present, you were first row for all the things, but your book just got hammered. It got totally hammered. Um, book signings got canceled. I've taped um, shows where they fully taped it, interviewed me, they, it, everything was good, but it got up to the executive level and they canned the, the show. Uh. Um, online, uh, I had a bookseller that removed all my five-star reviews. It was bad, but I'm gonna tell you this, and everyone knows this, no weapons formed will harm us. No weapons formed, mm. not if you love Jesus. Uh. Not if you love Jesus. Well, I think it's a phenomenal book. I, I understand why it's a bestseller. It's very compelling. You tell a great story. You give us scenes that we've never seen. And I just enjoy getting to be with you. What a pleasure and I delight. love this guy. I do. I well, love him. You're a terrific photographer. Thank you, sir. And uh, a great storyteller. Thank you, Governor. The book is called Trumpography, How Biblical Principles Pave the Way to the American Presidency. It's an inside look at Trump the man and his campaign from someone who was actually there and who captured it all. You can learn more and purchase Trumpography at geneho.com. It's right there on your screen so you get the spelling right. Now, I know that Keith is well-versed in huckography, so he's going to tell us what we have coming up next. Oh, I can't wait. Country music singer Daryl Worley coming up next on Huckabee. My next guest is a country music artist who has sold albums all over the world with his soulful voice straight out of the Mississippi Delta. His latest album, it's called Second Wind, Latest and Greatest, and it's out now. Please make welcome a great friend, Daryl Worley. Daryl, it's so good to see you again. Thanks. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having us. We're honored. Well, you were out of kind of the music scene by choice you made a conscious decision to say, I'm gonna pull out of this for a little while. How come, what was it? Uh, to spend some time at home with my family. I had a daughter that was growing up without me and uh, I thought that uh, she was more important to me and to my wife than any of this stuff would ever be. So you go back into the studio, you've now put this new album together. What will people hear that will remind them of the Daryl Worley they have loved for many years and what's gonna be new to them? Well, we put uh, eight, eight songs uh, that we had big hits with back in the past years. Mm -hmm. We recorded seven brand new tracks for this. So 15 tracks total, eight of the old hits and seven brand new ones. Well, I wanted you to know how grateful we are to have you on the show. We Thank hope you. we get you here regularly. And uh, I know that you're going to do a, a great, great song for us tonight. As Daryl gets ready to sing, Do Something Good, Keith is going to do something really good. He's going to tell you 
how you can get a copy of Daryl's new album. You can find Daryl Worley's new album, Second Wind, latest and greatest, online, along with more with Daryl and his music at DarylWorley.com. Now, here to sing Do Something Good is Daryl Worley. This old world is full of hurt and pain A little sunshine and a whole lot of rain It don't take much to drive those clouds away Let's all do something good today You never know what someone's going through Don't underestimate what you can do A friendly smile's a tiny price to pay Let's all do something good today A little wing A pat on the back Big old hug A little laugh We can make a difference All we have to do is try Every day's a chance to change somebody else's life Let's all do something good today Somebody else's life We're all just broken people On a journey home Spread a little love Before your chance is gone We may never see tomorrow anyway Let's all do something good today Won't you hear me people when I Let's all do something good today mm -hmm. Something good today 